Welcome to Check the Program, a podcast by four sometimes arts journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage and decided to do something about it. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe. I'm Sarah Petrescu. And I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. And today we're talking a little bit about things we've seen the last couple weeks. We went to I Walked the Line and Hopak Cedar is in on it. And then we've got a great interview with Kathleen Greenfield and Chris Atwood um, talking about their new show called Calling Home about stories from military families. And then we'll do a little bit of a first blush with the season ahead now that a bunch of season announcements have come out for what's starting up next September. And then a look ahead at, at what's going on in the next couple of weeks in April. Great. But first, we'd like to start with a territorial acknowledgement. Um, we acknowledge that we're on the territories of the Lekwungen-speaking people, also known as the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations and the Coast Salish people of uh, this territory. Um, we do our podcast in this territory. We live and work, um, and much of the work that we discuss has been created and performed here. Thanks, Sarah. All right, so John, you you have done the heavy lifting on the shows for us the last oh, couple. Of heavy weeks. lifting makes it sound like I didn't enjoy myself because <laughs> I enjoyed myself at both the shows I saw. Yeah, I went to two smaller shows uh, over the last couple of weeks. I went to I Walked the Line, uh, which the other guys' theater company is presenting. is the world premiere of that show, uh, written and starring Alan Morgan. Uh, and directed by Ross Dupre. Uh, Ross, of course, being a longtime director around town. Uh, Alan Morgan, people might remember him from the Belfry show, I Am My Own Wife, um, another actor we've seen many times in the city. Uh, yeah, it was a good show. Was, you know, I like going to shows in development. I like seeing where they start and I like seeing where they go. So, uh, you know, I always enjoy sitting in on world premieres just to get a sense of, of what's happening. Uh, interesting piece about, uh, literally, about uh, an aging actor who uh, finds himself running out of parts and he decides to get a union job for the first time in his life. And then uh, he thinks it's all great. He's got a pension. He's, you know, getting paid regular things. And then he goes on strike and he spends six months on strike. So it's really, it's just an autobiographical show about Alan Morgan's experience uh, on the line. And it was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's definitely a work in, not necessarily a work in progress, but a work that needs a bit more work on it. Um, but it was still enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I like seeing, I guess, the older I get, I like seeing shows about uh, older theater people as well. Um, because so much, certainly in the solo show realm, so much of it is about younger people. So I think this is interesting seeing something about an older actor's experience and, mm -hmm. and what happens when those parts start drying up. Yeah. Is there anything in it that, like, about the experience of being in a, um, you know, in a strike that was surprising or interesting? Like, that you never... Think, <laughs> I think it would be surprising because I kept wondering, like, who the audience of the show is going to be. Like, it's definitely mm -hmm. people who are interested in theater to a certain extent. Um, but if they're looking for the rah-rah pro-union crowd to come out, it, I don't know if that's going to happen because it was a strike against a union. Hmm. So, and it was all about the union management actually locking out this other union. Hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's definitely, he's walking the line between, you know, down the middle between these two audiences. So, so it wasn't like the who's who of a uh, union organizer. No. <laughs> Not the night I was there, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was interesting from that perspective. And uh, it had an interesting sort of uh, historical perspective on it. He talked about the origin of the words picket and strike and things like that. And, and just, there was a lot because it was his first time in a union, a lot of that 
experience of being in a union and uh, you know really getting caught up in the sense of community that comes with that but then realizing that it's a bit of a sham in some ways too mm. so yeah I enjoyed it it was a good piece uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it come back again in another fashion down the road I also went to Hotbox Theatres uh, in on it uh, which was uh, originally performed by Daniel McIver and Darren O'Donnell. Uh, I actually saw them perform it at the Belfry at their festival that was before the Spark Festival. I don't remember what it was Spark. called. The Pre-Spark Spark Festival? It might have been even just called the Festival. I don't remember what it was called. No, it ha I think it had a, it have a name, name, but... Yeah. Anyways, that <laughs> festival. Um, I remember seeing Daniel McIver and Darren O'Donnell do it there. And then the show uh, went off from the Belfry, actually went to New York City, where it uh, won an Obie Award there. And it was a very good show, and I was happy to see it back on its feet again in town. Um, and Hopax did a great job with it. Uh, the uh, two-person cast, Von Naylor and Jared Gowan. Von Naylor uh, picked up one of the Best of the Fringe Awards last year for Boy in the Christmas. Yeah, he was good in that. I really He's good in this him, one, yeah. too, yeah. He's very good at the, uh, the nuanced performance, picking up uh, different characters and putting it all together. Uh, it's a very very meta show where uh, it's what's it about <laughs> it's about <laughs> it's about um, one character who finds out he has a terminal diagnosis from a doctor and then another character who is seemingly a random side character and then they, the two characters do uh, intersect during the production but then it gets very meta as well where the two actors stop and they are actually not the characters, but the actors talking about, are you going to do it this way? Oh, why don't you try doing it this way? So it's kind of clever, clever in that mm -hmm. way. But uh, Heather Jarvie, director, uh, keeps it all together very, really nicely, and it clips along. 70 minutes, no intermissions, very entertaining, very engaging. Uh, my only picky thing is <laughs> they're kind of young. You know, mm -hmm. like they're, some of the characters they're playing are fathers of children and, you know, uh, very much uh, mature adult characters. And they're both pretty young mm -hmm. actors to be pulling that off. But that said, it was still very enjoyable. And it was nice to see work by a young company in town. Mm -hmm. uh, Hopax has only done six productions, I think. Um, and they've got some good stuff coming up. One of the things they've got coming up this summer is uh, they're remounting Janet Munsell's Be Still, which we haven't seen since. It was also in the Belfry Old Festival. We keep wondering what the name of it is this is like the second or third podcast we should just look it up we should probably next to, before we get together Mark Dussault, we, if you're listening we need to, to google that's yeah. yeah. that's what it was and this um, was in theater in Kanye's space yeah, right typically yeah, there's space yeah, so that's cool forward. which was great yes it was cool it was nice to see that space being used again it was used as a fringe venue a couple of times in mm. mainly uses it i don't see a lot of other theater companies using it so it was nice to see that space activated by somebody else mm -hmm. so yeah it was good uh it's on again this coming weekend, April 12th and 13th. I would encourage anyone who wants to see a very good show by a nice young company in town to go see it. And, you know, just a little over an hour. Yeah, yeah, so. 70 minutes, in and out. That. <laughs> that has, so many productions have been that way this season that I'm getting spoiled. Like, to sit through two whole acts is, is going to be a chore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice, especially to get out midweek or something. Mm -hmm. Catch an early show. All right. Well, thanks, John and yeah. Sarah. I yeah. think you spoke with Kathleen and Chris this week. So do you want to lead into that for us? Sure. Yeah. So I um, went down to the um, theater scam uh, rehearsal space on Fort Street, 
where Snafu Theater was rehearsing their latest show, Calling Home, Stories from Military Families. Uh, the show starts April 11th and goes to the 14th at the Metro Studio Theater. And I spoke with um, co-artistic director Kathleen Greenfield and uh, writer Dr. Chris Atwood, um, who got the idea f uh, for this show through writing her sociology dissertation for her PhD and uh, decided to turn it into a compelling docudrama about military families uh, separated during deployments to Afghanistan and their struggles to stay connected. And um, I was particularly interested in this show. I think I just have these very vivid memories of, for a while, um, as a newspaper reporter covered, the arrivals and departures mm. of uh, ships down at CFB Esquimalt and really loved all the families and kids, sometimes babies who had never met, mm. you know, their dads or moms who hadn't seen their kids in a long time were, were waiting and watching the, the ships, you know, HMCS, whatever, come around the corner and everyone would just be so excited and it was such an emotional thing and thinking about how they, you know, stayed connected during that time period. So anyways, that's just my, that was my excitement about hearing about this show. But um, yeah, I'll just I'll just play a little bit about uh, starting with Chris here about the uh, inspiration for the show. And I did my doctoral research on military families, uh, and probably within like the first interview that I did, uh, as I was hearing the narratives of the the spouses that I was talking to, I was thinking this would make such a good play. Like they were just such strong stories that it seemed like a real shame to just kind of bury them into my 300 page dissertation and hide them away forever. So I decided that I would like to put them on stage. So I asked Chris what about those interviews that she had with Skype over Skype with families across Canada, what stuck with her and, and you know, sparked that idea for, for a good play? You know, it's surprising. It was not the, the really dramatic things that happened to people. It was sort of the everyday, like, um, you know, husbands calling from Afghanistan and the babies in the bath. And I've got to figure out how to manage these two things at the same time. Really like mundane sort of everyday life things that really stood out for me. And that's the story that I really wanted to tell was like everyday family life with this huge separation between Canada and Afghanistan. It's interesting. I don't know if you guys uh, follow Snafu on social media at all, but they're doing this kind of neat promo campaign for the show where they're making these memes about some of the stuff. Like, uh, like one of them, you know, it's like a wait two hours in line, two hours to get to the phone, find out kids have already left for school, you oh. know, like things <laughs> like really? that, like oh, obviously yeah. stuff that they've pulled from these interviews. So Ooh, I thought I like that, that was, it was really cool. So, um, yeah, that, um, that clip made me think of their uh, campaign, their promo campaign they're doing right now for the show. Does Chris yeah. have a theater background, or was this strictly no, academic? No, um, no, and I'll and I'll get into that a bit next. So, so she had done all these interviews, she had all the material, and uh, and had this sort of idea for the show. Um, and at her other other persona is as a major uh, diehard theater volunteer um, with Intrepid and Fringe. And so I think that's sort of where the idea came from. And, um, and she brought the idea to Kathleen and, um, and, and they just decided to go with it. Um, Chris went back to the families. They were sort of scattered across Canada. They were okay with it. There are some families from Victoria 
um, and they expect to have quite a few military families come to the show. Mm. But um, Kathleen said it was a bit of a different type of project for her um, and for Snafu, namely the sort of the docudrama format and using kind of using verbatim dialogue in the play, which they sort of mix up a bit. There's some composite kind of characters. And uh, that was something new to them. And it's something we've talked about fo- before, how it can you know, be really compelling, or sometimes it doesn't, doesn't quite work. I think this one's going to be quite compelling. You'll hear a clip in a second. But, um, but here's Kathleen talking a little bit about uh, Snafu, Snafu's mandate and, and what, what this show means for them. Yeah, I guess um, Snafu's mandate is to shed light, or one of our mandates is to shed light on um, communities that are marginalized, oppressed, ignored, or forgotten. Um, And the ignored or forgotten really connected with this play because military families, especially during Afghanistan, the families who are at home are often not spoken about. Um, Afghanistan itself isn't really talked about that much. And so... um, what Chris said about mundane experiences, the experiences of essentially working class families uh, is what drew me to the subject matter as well, because I don't think I'd ever create a play about war. Um, I, I never thought that I would be um, interested, I guess, in creating a play about war or speaking about war in, in kind of a pro or anti-war way. Um, but these stories, they speak to me because they're working class and I feel that a lot of the work that I do ends up being about working class or people people who are ignored, I guess, in society. So, Because I dropped by the rehearsal space, um, got the bonus of seeing, seeing a bit of the show, one particular scene that is um, really interesting, it's almost choral and um, how it's put together. So, um, yeah, they were gracious enough to let me record a bit. So here, here's a preview to... Calling Home Stories for Military Families, uh, April 11th to 14th at the Metro Theatre. They told us, no No news news is good news. news. If we're not walking up your driveway in our uniforms, he's not dead. If all you get's a call from the rear party, he's not dead. If you see it on the evening news, he's he's not not dead. dead. You know that phone call where they say this is Captain blah blah blah, and for that three seconds while they say their name, you think your husband's dead? No No news news is is good good news. news. The whole time he's away in a dangerous place, I worry when I didn't hear from him for a day, and then two days, and then three days, and then four days, then we knew that something Something had had happened. happened. You wake up in the morning, you feed the kid, take the garbage out, then you go to work, come home, cook dinner, do the dishes, Put the kid to bed, and you're just waiting Waiting for the padre to walk up the front steps. No No news news is good news, news. and every call was like, you wanted one, but you didn't really want one, right? Because it could mean something Something had happened. happened. To him? There you go. Do we know how big of a cast it is? Um, I'm not sure. There are at least four uh, women in that scene, and I think... About I think four to seven. Yeah, there's there's eight people in the cast, oh, including okay. Trevor Hinton. Trevor oh. Hinton, yeah. Noah Pastor, who you loved at the yes, uh, that's right, Noah. Yeah, from mm-hmm. uh, the vaudeville panto is in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so some good good local talent, and yeah, a little bit of different subject matter, but hey, mm-hmm. 
let's stretch ourselves and you know it reflects the local community the the base you know is home to thousands of people it's one of the largest employers and mm-hmm. residences in the city so and they do some amazing work that we're not all aware of so yeah well thanks Sarah yeah yeah Yeah. it's great all right so looking forward a little bit looking super forward for a bit (laughs) Uh, a lot of theater companies and POV and Dance Victoria are all starting to hype their next seasons drop their yeah, theater bombs. Exactly. <laughs> when you when you look at the list, it's like starting. Yeah, exactly. So they're starting September and going through to next March, next April, next May. Yeah. That's a long time away. It does, yes. you know, it helps, you, hype. helps yeah. you plan what your your ticket budget for well, the year, though. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. You know, everyone's like for those season ticket buyers. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what stuck out for you guys? Was the kind of biggest hits or surprises or whatnot coming up in the season, next next New Year's season? Next Year's season. Um, there's a couple things at the Belfry I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Boom X, Rick Miller's uh, next uh, solo show. I saw Boom, which focused on um, the baby boomers, obviously. Boom X focuses on my generation, Generation X. Uh, although loosely based, I would say, because it starts in 1969 and goes to 1995, which, yes, I was alive for. I was born in 64, so it does cover my experience, but I wouldn't say my act of memories begin with 1969 <laughs> even though i'm on the cusp of gen x like i am the first years of gen x so i'll be curious to see what he does with that um but i'm also looking forward to michael healy's new play uh, 1979 uh he wrote the drawer boy and uh, this one's all about canadian politics yeah and that one looked mm-hmm. interesting yeah, and i'm i um i looked at it and i was like am i gonna like that play like because it seems so political but he did the drawer boy is also a great play mm-hmm. yeah. so you know he's a great writer good storyteller mm-hmm. yeah well and speaking of belfry i was surprised to see um cat sandler in for two seasons mm-hmm. row she brought us mustard yeah. last year hot and mustard hot, hot topic, topic. <laughs> <laughs> polarizing play very much so um and it's coming back uh, this november with bang bang a, a new work i think yep um, so that'll be interesting to see how that's received by by the theater community and the belfry crowd again yeah. Silent Sky at Langham looks interesting. The show about Henrietta Swan Levitt, uh, who wanted to be an astronomer, but in the 1890s. But back then, you know, women couldn't do that kind of thing. So yeah. could Lang- potentially be a good story. Langham, they've got a couple of things. Uh, yeah. Blue Light kind of interests me because uh, the idea of Lenny Riefenstahl, a play about Lenny Riefenstahl, is fascinating. She's a fascinating filmmaker, given her work with the Nazis and then tried to redeem herself afterwards by saying she wasn't a Nazi filmmaker. She just happened to be <laughs> making films about Nazis. Uh, but I've never seen a play about her, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. I'm already worried about the accents in Mambo Italian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not the only thing I'm worried about. <laughs> about that play. When I was speaking, um, when we had our episode about uh, queer theater a few, um, a month or so ago, that came up that... that um, homosexuality so often played for laughs mm-hmm. uh, in mainstream theater in town. And so that's the, it's a play I think about two um, gay men who all of their family and friends believe they're roommates or whatnot. Yeah. So a little, little bit of a concern how that might be presented, but yeah, we'll I'm, see I'm who directs it, it yeah. and what's yeah. their, um, you know, how that's, how that's presented. And then is Sondheim so popular and Victoria these days. You know, Langham did company probably a decade ago, a little okay. over a decade ago. I'm surprised that they are bringing it back. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's a very popular Sondheim show. Uh, it's not really my favorite Sondheim show, but uh, yeah, What's I was surprised favorite? to see it. What's my favorite Sondheim show? Golly. Um, 
I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I don't want to pause and <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said it's not your favorite. So oh, it's probably uh, no. Uh, into the Woods. I'll go with Into the Woods. Yeah, mm, you know, it's, a good one. it's an obvious one, but it's it's fantastic. I like Sunday in the Park with George. Some very good songs in that. Yeah. But you know, I I like Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette uh, Peters. Uh, <laughs> nerding out. On we do have Broadway. To, yeah. Well, I mean, I know we've talked about doing a whole musicals episode. <gasps> yeah, we should. we should do it. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, Shakespeare Fest this summer is bringing in uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Christopher Wardell is directing that. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because he did such a great job with Pericles last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Verona is another show by Shakespeare I've seen, but I don't know that well. And if Wardell can do as good of a job with it as he did with Pericles last summer, I'm very much looking forward to that. Hmm. Um, I feel like if you're going to get a crash course in classical music... Uh, Pacific op- Para-Pacific Opera Victoria's Il Tritico, um, the trio of Puccini opera with um, Victoria symphonies, all nine Beethoven symphonies. <laughs> That's a lot of Beethoven. by uh, Maestro Christian Kluxen over the season. Wow. So, yeah, interesting. I'm uh, really excited for the new Kid Pivot piece uh, that Dance Victoria is bringing uh, uh, Crystal Pite and uh, Jonathan Young mm. from Electric Company. Sure. Uh, if you caught, caught Betrofenheit when it was here, excellent show. Um, I had that's in February 2020. It's called Reviser. Uh, I have a friend who went and saw it in Vancouver and says it's amazing. So yeah. people con- are already talking about it. Uh, yeah. Is it a continuation of Betrofenheit? No, I think it's something totally different. Okay. But yeah, that kind of like dance theatery kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I really liked Betrofenheit. It was great. I was traumatized by that one. It was intense. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Not a show to see when you have a newborn baby. Yeah, it's hard for mm-hmm. a night of. It's hard to watch, <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, so. definitely impactful yeah. for sure. Uh, Phoenix is bringing in for their Spotlight Alumni in October. They bring Sam Mullins to town. He's doing Weak Sauce and other stories. Sam Mullins. Fringe been, favorite. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and CBC comedy favorite. He's been having a great career since he left town. And uh, I've never seen Weak Sauce, but I hear it's very good. And the other stories, I guess, are more recent work that he's done as well. Cool. So. Anything standing out for you? Now that hasn't been said, the Kid Pivot show is the one that was the, the, all this year, too. I've been looking forward to Dance Victoria's spring offering. So that's when they really bring it out for me, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some interesting stuff. I wouldn't say that there's, you know, shows that I'm running out to go grab tickets for or wait in line or something like that. Mm-hmm. But definitely looking forward to discovering some new things sometimes those are the best seasons mm-hmm. you know like that's yeah exactly that like there's the seasons where you look at things and you go oh i know that show i know that show but then there's the stuff you've never heard of that mm-hmm. could be fantastic you know the belfry they bring an all engine all indigenous team in to do the ministry of grace i don't know the show at all but it could be a really great show mm-hmm. bears was the biggest surprise for me this so season good. and i knew nothing about True. it going in yeah. Um, so who knows? Mm-hmm. And uh, Langham is doing Rope, which could be a really taut thriller, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but it could be very good if they stage it that, you know, yeah. kind of Hitchcockian way. Yeah. Speaking of Indigenous, not as much Indigenous programming in people's mm-hmm. seasons this year compared to the last couple of years. No, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, 
There's uh, POV is bringing in uh, Michael Nicole Yagalanis is involved with the uh, Flight of the Hummingbird, which was one of their smaller shows that they're doing at the Bauman Center. Uh, Hyde artist that he was here in town as the Audain professor a number of years ago. But he's a really great artist. And I'm not sure what his involvement in the show is yet, Flight of the Hummingbird, um, if it's from the production, if, it, if he's mm -hmm. doing the sets and costumes or what. But um, there's that, yeah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed seeing more Indigenous programming mm -hmm. in the last year. Like, it feels like you're discovering a whole new, I don't know, batch of artists who are being given some more exposure, you know, mm -hmm. especially artists from other parts of the country that are that are here. So I hope that continues mm -hmm. because it's great to, yeah, be, be see, discover new talent and... Um, until a new perspectives yeah. and new perspectives yeah. yeah it's so important and uh, sometimes it can be easy to go with like the crowd favorites bringing them back each year you see that a lot in programming i think in a city this size mm -hmm. which you know fair enough got to sell tickets and people like it but it is nice to sort of push the boundaries a little bit and mm -hmm. get out and try new things although mm -hmm. if the national level is any signaling right. to our theater uh, big news, uh, the National Arts Centre is not funding its inaugural season of Indigenous theatre. So that's uh, pretty harsh. Which yeah. is just shocking, considering how yeah. much noise they made about establishing that company. Mm -hmm. uh, getting yeah. Kevin and, yeah. It's, it's, that's it a is disappointment. Pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah, you got to feel for Kevin, too. Like, he's, you know, probably done a lot of work convincing yeah. people to be part of this new season. And yeah. Well, uh, he said in his open letter that he was... Uh, he considered resigning in protest, but he chose to stay and push through it, which I really admire. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, I really admire him uh, as an artist. He's just, his work is incredible. And he just seems like just talking to him and reading a lot of his writing, he just seems like a real bridge builder mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. like, which has got to be difficult. And um, yeah, and then to be like given this crappy situation is mm -hmm. pretty awful so and so what's the alternative alternative if they're not being funded nationally what's the they gotta go beg for money yeah. which like that's not a good look no for the national arts center no. like not a good look especially with their budget yeah it's mm -hmm. so it's pretty pretty disappointing so yeah, hopefully that is not a signal of things to come. Like, you know, we, we've made a big deal of talking about reconciliation and all the work that needs to be done. It's not going to be solved by funding a couple years worth of projects. Yeah, it's and not then, a one-season project. Yeah, being mm -hmm. like, okay, we did it. That's why I was happy to hear the news that the city of Victoria is going to continue to fund their Indigenous artists and residents. and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Well, uh, and then next month with UnoFest, there's a few good Indigenous mm -hmm. shows that are coming in for that, too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And a lot of companies have established roles that are specifically Indigenous outreach roles yeah. in town. So yeah. hopefully it isn't a sign of no. what's happening in Victoria, too. But still, it's pretty pretty shitty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A um, couple other really fast little bits of news. Uh, I mentioned uh, Janet Munsell's Be Still earlier that uh, Hopak Theater is going to be doing later this summer. Uh, I just heard through the grapevine that a uh, film has been made of it as well. A Vancouver oh. production company has done a film of it. Cool. Strange enough, shot in Vancouver, not shot here in Victoria. <laughs> considering the story of Hannah Maynard, local photographer. Um, that's happening. And then Janet's new play, brand new world premiere, uh, Act of Faith, is opening this week over at the Culture in Vancouver as cool. well. Uh, she's doing that with Real Wheels Theatre. Uh, 
who we saw in town a few years ago. I think the show was called Skydance. Uh, and this one features, uh, I believe, a paraplegic actor in the lead. Oh, I remember that show. Yeah. 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 So she wrote this while she was the um, artist in residence up at UVic Center for Religion. Center, oh God, what the hell is this place called? Religious S- Studies. Yeah, Center, Center for, for Studies in Religion and Society. That's what it is, yeah. Whew. <laughs> so that's hopefully that we'll see acronym. that in yeah town that was point. just trying to compute the acronym yeah, 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 as yeah, someone exactly. who works in one of those places it's like always a struggle <laughs> like giant mouthful of words and then you have to find an acronym that... it's like shazam what's yeah. the acronym for shazam <laughs> uh and then uh colby wardell a uh, longtime favorite ride the cyclone star he's back in ride the cyclone again mm-hmm. in a production in atlanta mm-hmm. so i don't know if it's if he's been in every production he of has. it he has he has, oh, yeah. he's so the only one production that's fantastic. Should talk to him about that. Yeah. Yeah. What a great experience. He's been Hopefully 17 he's... for what, 10, <laughs> yeah. 10 years now. Yeah, no More than 10 years. <laughs> the first version was 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. He does. Great. Right. So coming up, what do we uh, so, oh, there's have so much stuff coming Everyone's up just trying month. to cram it all into yeah. the... Yeah. Uh, Over the Easter weekend, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, Mel are going to Hubbard Street Dance Chicago on Friday. Can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. Some excellent choreography by uh, one of the choreographers from uh, Aspen Santa Fe Ballet. There's two crystal pipe pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just like the best of the best dancers. So, Mm -hmm. should be good. Fantastic. Paper Street is doing its fourth annual improv festival this week, April 9th to the 13th. Uh, down at the Interrupt Theatre Club, uh, bring in improvisers from around the Pacific Northwest and four separate artistic directors as well from Calgary, Red Deer, Portland, and here in town, of course. It's a real West Coast creative ensemble. Mm-hmm. Belfry opens their show this week too. 4,000 miles? 4,000 miles. I thought it was 3,000 per se. 4,000 miles. It's not 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Lang Court is opening Quartet next week, April 17th. That's opening up there. Um, CCPA's uh, West Side Stories opening April 19th. Oh, I'm excited to see that. Uh, that oh, same night, story. April 19th, uh, when I will be at West Side Story, unfortunately, uh, is also the sing along Jesus Christ Superstar down at the Vic Theater, which I would love to go to because I could sing along to that ent- and have sung along <laughs> to that entire show. I, I do my housework to that. No, do you hear yeah. Which version? The movie, uh, the Broadway, the, the remount? I think it's the movie recording. The movie? Yeah. It's my mom's old record because she always did. She oh. vacuumed I Don't Know How to Love Him. <laughs> and so it's just my house cleaning music. So yes. I could, I mean, different a little bit in the Vic Theater, totally. but I, I do not currently have plans for Good Friday, fun. and now I have plans with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Blue Bridge's Happy Days is opening April 23rd. Uh, sudden cast and director change on that. A good example of the show must go on. Uh, and then what else? Uh, Pacific Opera is opening Countess Maritza on April 25th as well. And uh, I'm sure there's more. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Yes. probably. We'll be back more. Yeah, before there's then. More. Oh, Patrick Lane's Memorial. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, a couple of booky things, literary things. Patrick Lane's Memorial is on April 20th up at UVic. Um, sort of an all-star <laughs> tribute night now. Mm-hmm. S.E. Dugin, Stephen Price, uh, Carla Funk, Lorna Crozier herself is going to speak mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be very touching, I'm sure. Yeah. The Sydney Literary Festival is happening April 11th to the 14th. Whole line of all sorts of people coming in for that. 
The next confabulation is coming up on April 18th called You Gotta Have Faith, just in time mm-hmm. for the Easter weekend, <laughs> Stories of Faith. Have you guys been to one yet? I haven't been to one. It's so excellent. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never been to one that I haven't fallen completely in love with a new storyteller. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I highly recommend, because I think it may be the last of their season. Maybe they have a show in May too, but absolutely worth booking that in um, this season if you can. It's really, it's always a really interesting night. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the art line, uh, the look show is on now till the end of the month, April twenty eighth, and I posted some pictures of that. Yeah. On the Facebook page, you can check. That's it out. always a good. Tons yeah. of work in there. I was they, amazed they, at how much they cram into whatever well, space. Well, they're, they're using in. the yeah. staple space where um, uh, Scam did. Uh, oh, uh, uh, floral Concord floral. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they filled both floors. Wow. Like, it's just full of art. It's crazy. And then the BFA show, the annual BFA show is coming up up at UVic as well towards the end of the month. Commotion's doing their annual end of the year show as well. There's lots of stuff going on. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it for us for tonight. We're going to be busy. We're going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks to Kathleen and Chris for chatting with us about their show that's opening this week. And uh, if you want to get in touch, check the program yyj at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Check the Program. We also post a lot of content and mini reviews and stuff on there. So if you want to get a like sneak peek at what we're going to talk about on the podcast, follow us on social media. Uh, until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm John Thrillball. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. And don't forget, Check, check the, the Program. program.